Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Welcome back to another midweek strategy podcast as we talk through all the big movements that have happened from a fantasy footy perspective over the past week. And man, has a lot changed to chat through everything over the past week. Got a couple of your favorites from the Coaches Panel. I've got Kane on. Hello, mate. Hello, MJ. It's very exciting. We got a you know, a week of football where we got to see everyone. We stretched over five days, so it feels like footy never ends. And on the flip side, it also feels like round one's really creeping up on us. It's really it's nearly right in front of us, nearly just a week away as people listen to this podcast. So a little bit scary, a little bit to work through, but we've got plenty of time on this podcast to get through a bunch. We certainly do it down to the single digits before the first part of your rolling lockout gets underway. Also on this episode, dream team champion from 2020. I've got Rids. Hello, mate. Hey mate, just, um, just in memory of the Fox who we don't seem to be able to get on the pod. I've got a ratio for you. Oh yes. Seven to one. What's that? There's only seven days to round one begins. That's very, very true. Uh, seven days until uh, Richmond get the easiest four points they'll get until they play Adelaide. I don't know. Um, Carlton's going good, mate, these days. They'll be fine, I know. It just feels like every year as footy fans, we get so excited footy's back. And then unless you go for Richmond, it's like, oh, Richmond won. Who would have thought you'd Hey, it wasn't so long ago, MJ, that Richmond was um, gone by round one. Well, that's that's very, very true. All right, lads. There is plenty of stuff we want to get through throughout this episode. We want to get to some of our Patreons question. And of course, a massive shout out to a couple of brand new ones. Aiden, Roger, and AJS have just joined our Patreon supporter group. If you want to do that, all the links for you at coachespanel.tv. They and a bunch of others have some questions that Kane and Rids, I'm going to throw out to you right throughout the, this, the end of this episode. I want to talk rucks with you. I want to talk cash cows. But right at the top, as Kane's already alluded to, we got nine games of footy. They're not quite at the elite pressure level, certainly not. But we got nine games of footy. Kane, like, what were some of the immediate, more generic rather than player specific takeaways that you got out of those nine games of footy? Uh, marks, MJ. Marks, 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 marks. I could probably go another. Um, 185 and I'd still be one short of the amount that Port Adelaide took. So um, it wasn't just them though. Like Port Adelaide's total against the Crows, um, we spoke about it pre-pod, but the most in an AFL game ever is 181 by Richmond against Adelaide back in 2006. So for them to break that in a pre-season game, um, whether that's easier or harder, I don't know. Um, Mm. All I do know is that they just feasted, didn't they? Anyone down back just racked up like that's just a stupid number of marks just so people have a bit of an understanding last year if we sort of normalize those mark totals only one team averaged more than 100 marks last year and that was the cats you know we've got we've got the eagles just behind at about 97 but 100 marks is a good mark game so to get 190 is insane but it just didn't stop there because the tigers took 136 and i think that's something that obviously, you know, a Jaden Short really came through, but it also took the guys of, you know, maybe a Josh Caddy, Caden McIntosh onto people's draft radars. And um, another team that hasn't had that luxury in terms of controlling the ball, but 
Gold Coast Suns in the last game, MJ, yeah. especially in the first half. We know that Brisbane really turned it on in the third quarter and blew them out of the water. But when you start c- controlling the ball like that with marks, it's amazing how your fantasy numbers, all of a sudden guys that you might have been thinking are you know, not relevant at all, Mark here or there, pardon the pun with Oleg Markov, hmm. they start becoming relevant. So I'm just really curious if this is going to continue into the actual season or if, you know, all the coaches in this week and a half we've got overcorrect and really try to clamp down on that type of uncontested ball. It's true. Like Rids Richmond coach Damien Hardwick talked about that almost straight out of the game where he reflected that the game is chalk and cheese in contrast to what we saw last year, wasn't it? Hundred percent, and that makes it really intriguing for Super Coach, doesn't it? This year, yeah. last year we had that call, sort of confidence that anyone with a contested ball game would be a good option in Super Coach. I don't know. After the weekend just gone, everyone looks like uncontested and outside, and there was that many disposals for some of these guys. We're talking Jaden Short, forty plus, you know. Yeah. Um, Jack Sinclair, who, like, I mean, people don't must be scratching their heads going, Jack, who? played across half back and ended up with over a hundred points in all the formats. Like he's absolutely ridiculous. The amount of balls some of these guys got across the formats. I mean, what was it? Dan Houston had 16 marks or something. Yeah. I think him and and Lear had almost more than the whole Crows team. Like it was insane. Well, I mean, that's more saying something about Adelaide than Port. That's true. Oh, did you notice as well? Adelaide were the teams that have given up the two highest marks. Yeah. One to Richmond, the Bowden brothers went crazy that day. That's and right. one to Port Adelaide on the weekend that Kane was just mentioning. There Again, you go, Crows fans. You've got some history, Crows fans. Records, MJ. Records. There you go. That's the other one, want. MJ, that, again, on that, that style of play that Ridge is talking about, Jordan Clark. Again, a guy that yeah. we were really fond of his first season as a cash cow. He, you know, to find a way into that Geelong team is no um, mean feat. And obviously, last year, he didn't get that opportunity when he got into the side. Unfortunately for him, he was injured straight away. Mm. But you look at the value we're getting in him at the start of the season. You throw in a game like that. I know Mitch Duncan is the guy that wasn't there. Yeah. But when you got a guy taking kickouts and mm. doing what he did, sort of what Ridge mentioned, like he had 29 touches, 10 marks, four tackles, a goal, plus kickouts, like a couple clearances. Yeah. You have to, you have to start paying attention and especially when you're supported by other guys like Rizmans and Jaden Short and these big mark totals, hmm. guys that can run on the outside like a Jordan Clark from, from the sample size we've got, you have to think it's going in their favor. Does it start to help guys that are, are premiums for us out and out premiums, but they could go to that next level because of, again, very much the assumption that this trend continues on into the year, but players like, and Andrew Gaff, who just know how to get into and find space in that defensive line, a player like a Caleb Daniel, who uh, the Bulldogs just love to get the ball into his hands, both from a handball received, but also, again, that ability to find space. Is Are these now the guys that are always good premiums that are going to go up to that next tier? It's a well, wait and see, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, at this point in time, it's one game. It's one game data. We've got to make sure people understand this one game of muck around football played. It was bruised free footy. No one was tackling. No one was tagging. I mean, Matty DeBoer ended up playing as a forward pocket in mm. this, you know, GWS game. Like, no one played accountable football with one massive exception. 
MJ. And that's you and Kane have been on this guy from day dot. Josh Dunkley, Dunkley played accountable football on Petrarca on the weekend. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, what a role that was. If so, he has that, my goodness me. That's oh the boy. stuff you've got to pay attention to, doesn't it, really, across the... We don't know what's going to happen. It's a, it's a flashpoint. It could be uh, round two, we could be talking about congestion again. Who knows? But these rule changes have made a massive difference. And just based on that one game of evidence... Mm. I mean, it does look like a trend across all the games. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, again, if you look at Dunkley, for example, MJ, just on yeah. him, because I know that last week I was probably in the minority sort of backing him up and thinking that, you know, don't stress guys about some of Bevo's comments. And it's no surprise that after a game where he's had 20 contested possessions, 11 tackles, as Rid said, did a really good job harassing yeah. Melbourne's best player in the midfield on in that game. And he comes out afterwards and says... You know, pretty much you took what I said out of context. You know, we love dunks. Um, and it's no surprise when he plays how he plays and, and they've just got an absolutely loaded midfield. I think the key thing is if you can win it on the outside, like you look at what a McRae, a Bontempelli, mm. a Merritt, these guys that actually can cover the ground, like they're always willing tacklers around the ball. But I think if you can add a few strings to your bow like that, you become really, really dangerous and what we're seeing with um, a bit of extra space around the kickers. Yeah, it's fair enough. So, so Riz, what's some advice for a coach, again, regardless of their level of experience, where they've picked a premium player, they watched them play in the Community Series Clash, and for one reason or another, they didn't perform well. Now, that could be they didn't score well. It could be their role wasn't great. What's some advice you've got for a coach who picked a premium, played on the weekend, and are now a little questionable about whether or not they should pick them? What's your advice for a coach in that situation? Okay, it all depends on why you're questioning that. Now, if you watch the game of football and you just didn't feel right about that guy that you thought was going to go bangers, the reality of the situation is you've watched the game of football, you haven't been biased against points, You've got to back your gut feel on that. But if you're sitting there going, oh, so-and-so scored 50 and you didn't watch the game of football, that's a mistake. And that's something that people fall into that trap every year. So was there a player for you that you might think, again, maybe it's for you, maybe it's for just somebody else could have been bullish on them. Was there a player for you that a person should be nervous about in a premium territory, different for breakouts and stuff like that? Yes, it's Brody Grundy. Talk me through the Brody Grundy. Okay, so Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox actually had decent games to kick three goals each. Mm. That's a massive concern to me because that means at any point in time, if something's not working in that forward line, anything could change in that team. Mm. Like you got guys who are Ruckman, pinch-hitted Ruckman, that have had history of impacting Brody's um, scoring potential. And that guy is going to score 100 all day, every day, okay, for the year. But what we're going to see is if they continue to play Cameron, Cox, and Grundy in the same team, he's still in, and the games that he used to score 150 may only score 120. Mm. And the fact that Will Cowley is also injured and he's going to miss the next six to ten weeks, that's a real – I didn't like that at all. So I'm, I'm officially off the Grundy train at the moment. 
Okay. You've de-grundified. What about for you, Kane? Like that question, but I suppose in reverse, what about a premium that pops out a monster number, whether it be a, a Jaden Short, a Zach Merritt, these sort of guys that should that are around the consideration point anyway, how do you know you're not overreacting to the hype of a premium just having one great game? Well, I'll give you one on the previous one before I do sure. that one. I think I think Luke McDonald was the one for me. Yeah. Just seeing how, again, it was always going to be tough. You know, won the best and fairest last year. It was such a purple patch of form, which was obviously really encouraging when either you're on him last year or you're looking at the preseason numbers. Um, but obviously that was baked into his average now as well. He's not mm-hmm. quite the though he may have been. But the concerning part for me was one, Jack Zebel was taking as many kickouts as Luke McDonald. Yeah. And with that bit of extra space, he's just got a bit more of a penetrating kick. And there didn't seem that desire to possess the ball in the back half and use McDonald as much as last year. And I know it was such a rich vein of form that it's hard to sustain that. But I know mm. some people still felt while there might not have been the 30 points of upside in the way he finished, there was maybe 10 and he could still challenge. For me, He's off my list for making my starting squad. And I'd need to see, you know, probably a couple of injuries and a definite couple of big scores. Yeah, fair enough. On the positive end, um, I think he was already in a bunch, a bunch of teams. But Tom Phillips' game, yeah, we know what he can do. We've even had him, you know, contending for a midfield spot in the back half of seasons in the past. Like yeah. that is, like especially in DT, that's got a game about him. Now, where I think it gets interesting is he's definitely on super coach radars now at yeah. that price because, as Reed's mentioned, if the game becomes more uncontested, that's a guy that's going to thrive in it. But it's also going to mean that contested possessions might not have the same weight. Mm. And especially when you're looking at contested players last year who did really well, and as a whole, they could be overpriced. If you've got a guy that's underpriced because he's outside – and now the scoring is moving more towards the outside, yeah. you might even get a bit of extra value. And maybe this is the season when we see Tom Phillips be a one-to-one DT to super coach player. Um, I don't think those inside midfield minutes will hold the whole season. We saw him on the inside a bit more with the obvious Noah Mira, Mitchell, uh, no Mitchell and Wingard. obviously Wingard. And Bruce has been flown through there as well. Yep. But hey, they're on the sidelines for a reason. So totally, he can already do it just playing on a wing. Um, super hard worker, you know, all those sort of things that you love. New club seemed like a guy that was happy to sort of go as well. So I feel like he was already stamped in AF. He was pretty much a lock in DT. Yeah. But I think super coach now, just with the nature of his game. And again, he won 10 contested possessions, had five clearances. That's not a Tom Phillips sort of statue you're used to seeing. So I think he's a one now after that big game. And again, it was against North Melbourne, who we have probably in the bottom four quite comfortably. Yep. Um, but if you're having, you know, 21 kicks, nine handballs, nine marks, seven tackles as well, and a goal, it's not bad. Like that's about as well as you can stuff a stat sheet. Yeah, it's pretty true. I like that. What about for you, Rids? Was there a player that kind of caught your attention, but you think there's something there and you don't believe it's an overreaction? Okay, so I watched a game of football. Um, Western Bulldogs versus um, Melbourne on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And Bontempelli was just that good. It was just ridiculous how good he was. Mm-hmm. But 
this is the interesting thing. Because he was so good, I actually think the guy that people should have really been noticing was Jackson McRae. Yeah. Um, he had that inside centre bounce attendance. Um, he was playing a lot of inside, outside. He just ran to spots. I think the attention goes to Bontepelli types because 100%. he was just so good. Um, I just think McRae, he, in a weird kind of way, but it's hard to fly under the radar after scoring 150, but <laughs> the reality is I think he actually flew under the radar a little bit on the weekend. Yeah, I think you're right. I think everyone was talking about Caleb Daniel and his handball receives off halfback. Bontempelli getting it done inside forward 50, kicking goals, winning the clearances. all, the, And then McRae, that's just a Tuesday for him. Like that's exactly what we expect him to do. The question, of course, does come, where the heck does Adam Trelaw fit into that side? That's, and that's the, big the question, unknown. isn't it? Yeah. That is the big, big question. Just on Josh Dunkley, okay, so I highlighted the positives before. There was still a couple of worrying signs with Josh Dunkley. Sure. Um, he's, he had 22 handballs to 10 um, kicks on the weekend. And I think with that outside run of the Bontempellis, the McCrays, and so on and so forth, we're going to see that trend continue. So... He's going to need those midfield minutes and he's going to need to make a lot of tackles to get yeah. that 100 plus average across the formats. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think um, the other thing, MJ, from that game, we do have to touch on just while we're on, especially when Riz brought up Grundy. Yeah. Is that Bulldogs rucks it up? You know, that's been something in the past that's really tipped people over the edge to grab a Grundy. Is yeah. that going to get a big score from English? We know he's gone absolutely berserk on English the last three times. Yeah. But Steph Martin. In all of the years, he's a tough ruck matchup. He's a really tough because he's so athletic. Yeah. And you look at what Gorn struggled to do. He struggled to get his hands on the ball around the ground. 11 disposals for Melbourne go to Gorn at every possible opportunity. The amount of times they went straight at Gorn out of the kick out, they always look look for him around the ground. Yeah. If you've got English, who's also athletic as well, chopping out with Steph Martin, Aaron Norton looks like he might miss round one. So, mm. again, it makes it really easy to have, you know, English as a primary forward with Steph Martin. Yeah. Um, again, it's just another cross in the in the Grundy column for the early part of the season because, again, we've been used to getting off the flyers, give him the captaincy, give him the VC. Um, you're off to a great start, but not so much anymore. And we have to think about that with the Bulldogs going forward. If they roll with Steph Martin and English... Not that, not that ruck matchup you used to want to see. It's true. And, and you look at teams that have favorable ma- ma- um, rucking matchups, even just in round one, let alone going any deeper. You, you could build a, a pretty compelling case that Max Gorn coming up against what's likely to be a Lloyd Meek, maybe a Sean Darcy split combo if Darcy can get up in time. But with Rory Lobb out for at least the first four weeks of the season, maybe up to six weeks, that you'd think is a fairly tasty option. Riley uh, O'Brien. I okay. just want to pull you up here, MJ. Oh, come Before on, mate. Before we go start talking about this, did you see the leap on Lloyd Meek on the weekend? He was beating <laughs> Matanui in the ruck contest. The kid can jump, mate. The kid can jump. He's a big unit. I don't think that's as easy a matchup as we think it is on paper. We'll see. He's got to play first. But we'll see. I'm just saying, but right. I reckon that's a difficult, difficult matchup. Right. Like a kid in his first game going out, 
he we know he's got elite he's a big unit um like i mean i don't want to overstate it Gorm's going to score whatever you know because yeah. that's what Gorm does but the reality is if people go in thinking Gorm's going 150 plus guaranteed he's going to have to play pretty well to get there obviously yeah, yeah. But, no question yeah just on the weekend i was just really really impressed with how competitive meek was across the board yeah, he, he's not just the R3 that you use for vice-captaincy loopholes and that. He's certainly a candidate to use. Uh, probably O'Brien against Geelong, whoever they choose to put in the ruck, you'd think's pretty favourable sort of... I think uh, round two, mate. I think we talk about round two with Gorn because that's going to be a Paul Hunter and a that Sean McKernan-type matchup. Yeah, the, all the news... This though, MJ, Gorn, Gorn can score well and let up big scores as well. We saw Pitnet went nuts on him. Yeah. We know the famous game True. against... Goldstein, Grundy, yep, like yep. he's not as restrictive per se as maybe you might imagine. Like he can yeah, give up one. some scores, especially in Supercoach, if the Melbourne engine room's not really helping him out. Um, you can actually get some points off him, but um, he's still obviously Max Gorn, isn't he? He's always going to get his get his points. It's just he's not quite as shut down as maybe you may think sometimes. Yeah, no, that's a fair enough one. I'll give, I'll give you guys 30 seconds to think about it. I'm, off the basis of the Amy Community Series, I, I want to get you to finish this sentence for me. I'll go first and give you a bit of time to think. Um, because of the Amy Community Series, you need to dot, dot, dot. So I want to give you some time to think about some advice or a perspective. I'll give you one because of the Amy community series, you need to consider running a cash cow at R2. That's something I'll throw out there. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in a more depth, but for me, that's a hundred percent something you need to consider across all the formats, whether or not you do it as a different story. What about for you, Kane? Because of the community series. Because of the Amy to... series. Yes. You need to consider stacking your back line with premium defenders. Ooh. Talk me through that quickly. I just don't have as much confidence in the midfield line in particular. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result of what we'll get into with your ruck conversation, I think, you know, you're going to have a few extra premium spots, maybe in other lines that you might have not had before the preseason. Sure. Um, I've been pretty vocal that Dunkley and Dangerfield haven't left my side and I've got a lot of confidence in them, but um, the guys around them seem to be falling over. And I think with the flexibility to put a guy like Rory Laird into your midfield, um, I think you can pretty comfortably start with at least an extra three premium defenders in that line plus Laird in the midfield. Yep. um, Because... I don't have a great deal of confidence in these defender cash cows. And I think structurally you don't want to be too exposed. And also I think there's some really obvious decisions in the back line that are going to be around that mark and even some that present value. Yeah, nice. What about for you, Rids? Because of the Amy Community Series, you need to? Stop using the word hype. Oh. Okay, I'm absolutely – it does my head in. What's the use of watching football? and get in an eye test and fill in a gut feel for things. If people are just going to say, oh, well, this guy's going to be the hot guy this time. This is, oh, who's the hot guy out of this game? Oh, who's the hot guy of that guy? It's ridiculous, yeah. But they're talking about a prediction of the future. It's not an absolute certainty. 
Yeah. Well, this time last year, people would have been calling Petrarca, Greenwood, and so on and so forth, hype guys. True. All they're doing, okay, is they're not letting the people back their gut feel on what they've actually watched in the football game. We've only had one game of preseason this year. Yeah. Why start a negative vibe on things before you even get to round one? I don't understand. It's as dumb as doing a never again list. <laughs> one of your favorite things to be able to do. I think it's fair. Um, that's a really fair point. I like that. Um probably the other big narrative that come out of the community series um, was the suspension to Zach Williams. He was in across the formats, about one in three teams, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less still. Some of the casual coaches just haven't got around to moving him out yet. I think he was I checked before still in like 19% of AFL fantasy teams. Uh, so, so that's going to be there for people that picked him. There's an article up at coachespanel.tv where I've explained some of the strategy behind it. If you do choose to keep him, how that could work. Happy to have that conversation if you guys want to do that. But for those that choose to trade him out um, and, and move on to someone else, who are some guys that you can consider, whether it's going up, going down, like for like, different line, can for you, like, who are some candidates that if you're a Zach Williams owner and you need to move him on or choosing to move him on, should I say, who are you going to go for? Oh, I went straight up, MJ, to Tom Stewart. Um, yeah. I just love everything about this guy's football game. Intercepts, great user, kick out. One of the best fantasy teams we've seen for the past decade in terms of controlling the ball. Mm. Um, durable outside of one innocuous um, bumped the shoulder, which somehow saw him only miss a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and he's he's discounted due to that score as well. So for me, um, I was I liked Williams. I wasn't, you know, 100% locked in. I did want to see how the series played out and what was going to happen. But um, I think Tom Stewart's a guy that I've just got so much confidence in being top six across every format. Yeah. Um, got a little bit of built-in value there. I think what I've seen of this one game, albeit one game, style doesn't hurt him. You know, he loves a kick, loves a mark. Yeah. Um, so I went just straight up to him and just have total faith. Totally. And again, when you're picking these guys, you always want them to pop round one. Who do they play? Adelaide. Go back and what happened at that Port Adelaide Adelaide game? Crows just bombing it in. And then Aaliyah, Houston, all these boys just intercepting like crazy. That is a Tom Stewart bread and butter game to really come out of the gate. I like that pick. What about for you, Riz? Is there some options for somebody that's a Williams owner? If they are going to move him on, who should they look to? Okay, so I sort of suggested to you in the chat about holding him, Roddy. did. Talk me through that. While we're here now, talk me through the mindset of if you want to hold Williams, what are you doing it for and where are the benefits? Okay, if you want to hold Williams, you're only doing it as super coach because that's where he's got a history. Yeah. But if you're holding him, you really need to have a think again because the reality of the situation is, okay, this guy's got a history of injury. Mm. This guy's got a history of going in and out of games. He's a little bit hot and cold. Super coach is the only one that has got a history of actually maintaining some sort of form to be in the top echelon of defenders for the year. Mm. He's super fun to own. There's no doubt about that because, I mean, the way that he plays on the outside and everything else, 
But the reality is he's also super frustrating to own because he's got 30s in him, this guy. Yeah. So I actually think, okay, Supercoach is the only format you could actually really entertain the thoughts of holding him. Mm. Now, that was after round the first game of the series. I think it was St. Kilda versus Carlton, the first game of the, what's it called? That community thing. Amy? The Shield. Yep. Uh, the Alphabet Cup. There it is. Um, so the reality is we saw enough off the weekend out of those defenders to now just throw that in the bin. Just forget it. Mm. Just go for a walk, have a deep think, give yourself an uppercut, trade him, okay? The reality <laughs> is, what do you? What else do you need to see out of Caleb Daniel or yeah. a Todd Stewart or a Todd Stewart? Oh my goodness, Tom Stewart or a Jaden Short? Is there anything else that you really want to see before you go? Actually, you know what? Hmm. Watching these guys play football on that one practice game in the Alphabet Cup actually says to me, it doesn't make sense to hold this guy and take a punt for a hmm. week and take a twenty score from one of these rookie defenders. Yeah, especially, f- what, a 30 for some of them? The guys that feel like they've got something questionable of job security, like a Highmore, Kaczynski, they're more key position players. You could throw a Butts and a Murray and a Cox well, in there. These Highmore are key position players. He's only going to play because Frawley is out. So doesn't that mean he's going to play tall in the back line if he does play? Or a yep. Wilkie plays tall. But... Again, it doesn't fill you with confidence yet. And, I mean, Kaczynski was amazing, Radio. There's no doubt about that. He had a great game of football. But, mm. I mean, how many times is he going to kick five, six, seven goals in a game of football? Yeah. We're talking about a guy that came out in a scratch match in the Alphabet Cup and kicked that. That's great. Happy days. But, I mean, are you going to be able to do it week in, week out as a rookie? Yeah. Manage your expectations on these rookies. Yeah. These guys are more, uh, just as likely to score 50 as they are to score 15, 20. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair enough, too. Fair enough. I think the other thing is another thing we do have to chat about, MJ, not okay. to sidetrack this, but price wise, he's not crazy different, just a different line. And it's Matt Rao. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Matt true. Rao. It's, um, Again, it's interesting reading, and I've watched the I watched this game, so I'm yeah. I'm always fascinated when you watch the game and you you know you're just watching, you know you're not on Twitter, you're not you're not at fan footy, you're not no no you, you've watched that. the game, you've formed your own personal opinion about the player or the game in general, and you read and to be honest, MJ, again, Ralph for me was super coach is where he was mostly considered. Sure, um, if you've ever watched him play. It's probably no surprise that that's his better format because his best stuff is the contest. So, again, personally, what I was seeing a lot of other pundits talk about was that he didn't want the contest, and they and they cited him laying um, two tackles. You know, his work rate wasn't there. He had one mark, but no one's wanted to bring up that the guy also had seventeen contested possessions, seven clearances, and played seventy percent time on ground. Yep. So. I, I don't know. Again, even some of the great tacklers, Hugh Greenwood last year was having one of the all-time tackling seasons. And there's some games where you just don't stick the tackles or you don't work. affect the disposal enough that it goes to the opposition. But how we can say that Matt Rao 
was shying away from the contest hmm. when he had a game-high 17 contested possessions. Lockie Neal was in this game. Jared Berry was in this game. And he was good. And he's had seven clearances as well, MJ. He's used the ball at 85% efficiency. Poor. Like, the amount of people I saw just casting this guy aside, especially in the Supercoach format where I think he's the best suited, it, it surprised me. I'll leave it at that. No, no, I'm not going to leave it at that. I'm going to go a step further. And I'm the guy, okay, that's actually been taking the risk on taking on Raul, okay, this preseason, MJ, as you very well know. Yes, I do. But you watch that game of football. He got smashed four or five times. And he just bounced back up. He, He made a heavy tackle. What do these people want from a guy who's played four games of football in his whole career? You know what they want, Rich? They want more than 59 Dream Team points. That's exactly what they want. That's all. In a preseason game. You know what? The only feedback I got out the whole thing was, oh, geez, he looked a little bit rusty. What were you expecting? That he was going to be silky smooth? (laughs) He's had a year out of football, played five games of football his whole life. The fifth one he got injured in. What did people actually want to see out of him? For him like, to I float. don't get it. And you know what's going to happen, MJ? Oh, here we He's go. going to improve. After every single game, he will improve. No question. If anything, I sort of swayed a little bit to starting him rather yeah. than taking him on. Yeah. I couldn't believe the commentary around this. This was the stupidest thing. And I'm calling all of you people out there that have tweeted and commented out there stupid. Watch the game of football. The guy did plenty to suggest that you should stick with him. Anyways, that's all. Uh, he's, he's come off the long run now, Ridley. That is for sure. This is my favorite type of Rids, the Rids off the long run. It is silly, MJ. It's, it that's is. Just, it's very silly. I, yeah. You can't, I, say, you can't say a guy was horrible in the contest when he's got the most contested possessions. Like, boy, you got yeah, two tackles. I know we're not having a logical argument when we're Sure. Discussing things like this with maybe people on social media, but sure for our, for our listeners at least, feel free to. There's a little bit of time. You got seven days. Feel free to throw the game on. Have a look for yourself. Yeah, look. Just well, that's that thing, isn't? See like, that's what you the, think. That's the hard point sometimes, isn't it? Not just in footy and life, in fantasy, whatever it is, is finding the right voices that you can trust their perspective and their opinion. And, and you're going to disagree with somebody somewhere about almost everything. Like there's people listening to this episode going, no, nah, I, I disagree with you. I'm around. Fine. You know, back your opinion in fine. But that's that hard point, isn't it? Is there's so many content creators now that are doing podcasts and so many Twitter handles and so many people that you can follow that finding the right voices and the people that you can trust is a really, really hard thing to find. What we should do, MJ, is we mm. should make a Nobel Coel Prize for a preseason coach, mm. okay? Because I can guarantee you there's some absolute superstars in the preseason. By round two, they're ghost ships and they're over there looking at the red cars driving down the road. They absolutely have no idea what they're doing, and people treat them as our gods. I know these are experts. Oh, my goodness gracious me. The reality of this, okay, is give the kid a break. Like, I just don't understand what people were expecting from him. Listen, trust people, back your gut, watch the game and back your gut. You know, if you'll watch that game and you feel uncomfortable about it, 
happy fine, days. Fine. Back yourself in. Don't go out onto social media platforms and try and convince everyone else that you're correct and everyone else is wrong. It's just time a ludicrous approach. Yeah, time Anyways, will prove that. No, that's all right. That's hype, yeah? That's absolute hype criticism of yeah, it's, negativity. Yeah, it's, it's hype in reverse, yeah. No, it's a good call. All right, well, let's before we get into some of our Patreon questions, let's talk about that ruck line. Because we've talked a little bit about Max Gorn. We've talked a, a, a touch to um, about Brody Grundy. But R2 feels like such a fascinating perspective to me. The reason being, there's the coaches that have the mindset of set and forget. And so they're looking at Gorn, Grundy, and maybe O'Brien as like a, a third if they believe maybe more suited to dream team and fantasy, but believe that he's going to be in that consideration. Okay, well, let's look at those. Then there are those that are looking for a stepping stone or a breakout candidate R2. So probably Ben McAvoy is one of a few. I think in Supercoach, you might be able to put Stefan Martin into that mix, given he's under 300,000. I don't think someone's looking at Tom Hickey seriously. Maybe Sam Draper. Truthers are out there. I'm not too sure. Um, hello to the three of you if you're there. And then you've got something we haven't had for a long time, like since the expansion clubs of Gold Coast and GWS, where you have a first-choice Ruckman that's at basement price. We've got Matt Flynn. He only didn't play last weekend because he's getting managed through the preseason. So, so Briggs was good, but I don't think he was good enough to dethrone Flynn. You've then got Paul Hunter, who on AFL 360, just in the past handful of hours since time of recording, he's been confirmed he will debut because Paddy Ryder, he's taken some personal leave. The club think he'll be back in a couple of weeks, but that should mean Hunter, likely along with McKernan, take that ruck share for the first couple of rounds. And then the player that Rids has alluded to already, Lloyd Meek. Darcy's under an injury cloud. Lob, we know, will miss the first month of football. So we've got arguably three round one basement priced cows entering into that opening round. Rids, what the heck should we be doing at R2? Okay, so... I don't really know because I keep getting confused about this, okay? Because part of me says set and forget is a very easy approach to take with the rucks because there's only two guys. Yeah. The other side of me says, well, the reality is if you start one of the big guys, say Gorn, okay, just out of interest. Sure. You're pretty much halving the risk straight away. What do you need that rookie to score to actually you know, use those dollars and make those points on another line. Mm. So Kane just mentioned before, okay, how he's not real comfortable at, about the defensive rookies. I sort of asked that question a few weeks ago um, around where the rookies are because mm. um, I couldn't see anything in the defensive line at all that really floated my boat. But you people need to do what they are comfortable with. Mm. Now, don't just look at it as a ruck-to-ruck option. Look at it as a combination across the board. Look at, let's just say Dream Team McKay. Sure. Now, my comment would be, if you're looking at a premium and a rookie combination, 
Now, you've got to find someone on a different line that matches that price of a Grundy, let's just say, as your R2. Hmm. So let's go Jake Lloyd plus Paul Hunter mm -hmm. against Grundy and what was it, Highmore? Yeah. Okay. Who are you more confident with? Because we know that any rucks, no matter how much they are, 130, 140, 150, the reality is they're still a ruck. They're a human being. They play the rucks. They've probably played ruck their whole life. They know what they're doing. Mm. At some point through the game, they're probably likely to get 30 hitouts for the game, which is 33 points. They get a couple of tackles. They might get a mark and a kick and a couple of handballs. Suddenly you're up to 50, 55, 60 points for a rookie. Yeah. Do you have the same confidence of, what was it, a high mall? Yep. Was it his... In the back line, can he get to 50-55? Have you got that confidence? Will Jake Lloyd average or score the same as a Grundy? You know, and I mean, they're the things that you've got to weigh up and you've got to get comfortable about. Yeah, it's a good point. Kane, what, what's your perspective on that R2 dilemma? Yeah, I think Rids has made the perfect point. It has to be a balance. And again, it could be Jake Lloyd. It could be Lockie Neal. It could be whatever player you want to, you know, compare Grundy with or whatever other player you want to go with. I think mm. the interesting part will be which two do you take? If you're yeah. grabbing Hunter, Meek and Flynn, and you're putting up on a wall, uh, Hunter, obviously riders leave is in somewhat indefinite at this stage. I just saw that Rowan Master could be back as early as round two or round three. Yep. Um, Lloyd Meek, we know lobbies out long-term. We know Darcy, unfortunately for him, is always injured. Yeah, Matt, Matt Flynn seems to have the clearest path in terms of we know Bruce is out for an extended period of time, almost half the season. Mm. Shane Munford, we really believe, is just insurance. I think the reason there's people are a bit cautious is he didn't play yeah. in the Amy series. But really, with the amount of scratch matches that were played, more players than ever didn't play. Yeah. In the Amy series, if they took it off, we saw you know Clayton Oliver and Salem from Melbourne, Lloyd, didn't a bunch play. of uh, Lloyd, a bunch of guys that you know could have played if it was you know around one game. Hey, let's just get them right. So I think even clubs now, you know, obviously we give more importance to the Amy because we get all the great stats and we get to see it, you know, usually with cameras that work. But these scratch matches play an important role. So I feel like, you know, for me, just going off the top of my head, like Flynn seems like the guy that he's going to be around long enough to have mm. a good chance to make some cash. Meek seems like the guy to me that is probably going to score pretty well. He's, yeah. going to, he's got a great engine room around him to get points. I know that the Giants do also, but you know, if you want clearance type of players and you've got Fife, Sarong, Brayshaw, Chera, yeah. pretty good. Um, and Hunter, he was pretty solid. And, and the Saints like to go with a tandem ruck combo. The hard yeah. thing is, we could be talking after round two with Ryder and Marshall both in the side. And yeah. now that's not quite as appealing. So I guess for me, it's probably Flynn and Meek and then the Hunter's two. third, just because yep. um, I don't want to be in a position in, you know, two weeks time, especially when none of these guys have DPP. Yeah. Like, again, you're, you're hoping that the other one's available. So if worst came to worst, if you've got a hunter and you're playing him on field and you know you want to put Flynn on, you know, maybe you're okay. But sure. I think at the same time, if you're going to do something like this, you want them to make that 150 and ideally 200 K. So I think just from a job security point of view, um, I like, you know, Meek and Flynn. Yep. 
And now I guess the question that people want us to discuss, MJ, is why not have all three? Well, the only reason you could have all three is you're an AFL fantasy coach and you can drop one of them in as your utility for Dream Team and Super Coach. Woo-wee. Rocking those three boys at R1, 2, and 3. Rids, I know they've got the scoring potential that's probably better than some of those cows, but can you go against a Gorn, Grundy, O'Brien types at R1, even if it does mean you can get a bunch of other cows off the field in other lines? I think you could definitely go against them. It's just you need to have a contingency. Yeah, plan B. Okay. So, and that contingency might be that you don't like who you got at M5 at the moment. So you put Rory Laird there, you put Ben McAvoy at D5, and you Mm. put the rookies. So as soon as a rookie fails or gets dropped or whatever else, you've got that option with DPP to swing a McAvoy in to go led back to defence and then to bring in any single rookie you want to cross any of the lines. Yeah. So that's that's just one of those things. But I just want to highlight something on this as well. Now, don't all rookies have job security issues? I mean, why do people talk about rack rookies so differently to uh, if they're playing two rookies in the defensive line yeah. They've got the same job securities. Often they're they're only getting a game because someone's injured or maybe I think I think Reed's people do that because they've got greater flexibility in the other lines to naturally DPP. And if a mid's out, you can always swing a back or a forward in there. Whereas I think people have a concern that in the ruck line, if you were to lose a rookie in the ruck line, there isn't another playing option that you can do, unless like you mentioned that you have a McAvoy or potentially a Marshall, whatever. To bail so, you out. If someone has a Lockie Jones, okay, at D6 in the defensive line, and they've only got two rookies on the bench for to cover six guys in the defensive, there's only one emergency. The, you've only got one ruck emergency to cover two guys. Mm. Now, are you more confident that a Flynn, if that's your R3 covering a Meek, and Meek might miss the game, why are you more confident, though, that... If Lockie Jones doesn't get named, then he's playing on the Sunday in the first round. So we won't know if he's playing or not until the Saturday. Right. Uh, why are we so confident that he's going to be named unless someone comes out and says it? But then you've got Kaczynski or a Highmore covering Lockie Jones. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't make much sense to me. Now, the other guy that we didn't mention, okay, um, as a rookie off, option was Fulton, um, who actually played a good game of football yeah, and he's good. got DPP. Yeah, he, so there is an option there. It's certainly one that people haven't have missed that guy's name. And he, he's got opportunities have opened up due to injuries in that Brisbane tall forward role. And as great as McInerney is, he's not a ruck all day kind of guy. There really isn't a player in the AFL that is a ruck all day kind of guy. The closest I suppose Gorn's probably close, but they've got Jackson, so he won't be there. O'Brien's probably the guy. He's that type. You've got the the endurance, MJ, and he sort of, you know, even says he gets better as the game goes goes on. on. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Danaher's in that team, but he had one hit out. So do you really want to expose him as well? Like, I feel like you'd rather give, you know, Fullerton that, that opportunity. So, 
again, he, and the other thing I just he's got a chance. Yeah, go ahead. This is the other thing I want to point out this year is teams don't get named to the day before, okay, they play. Mm. So the reality is, if you're going to cop a donut at any stage, you'd much rather a rookie-flavored donut of forty or fifty points, yeah, totally. than, than get than having five. Like I mean, that's we're talking about Williams being on the bench, okay, for the first round. Yeah, that opens up a chance there, okay, that you're actually going to cop a donut because none of these players are actually named yet. Yeah, Hawthorne plays on the Saturday, Williams plays on the Thursday. You don't know if um, Kaczynski's named. Yeah. You don't know if a Lockie Jones is named. You don't know if a Highmore's playing unless there's an announcement through the week. But again, anything can happen at that point in time. You've locked yourself into a premium flavored donut for yeah. five, six hundred thousand, whatever it is, across the formats. I mean, I just don't know whether people quite understand that any rookie at any point in time can score 20 points. That's a loss of, what, 30, 40 points potentially on that score. That's not going yeah. to impact your year. No. And at the end of the day, often you win a league matchup if you're focused on leagues by a lot more than 20, 30 points for the league matchup. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're worried about overall, I mean, I think I won last year with Dream Team. And again, this is not about me. It's just to give everyone a bit of an understanding. I won by a few hundred points, I think mm. it was. The reality is sometimes it will impact nothing for the course of the year, those yeah. drops of 40 points in a week. That's right. Well, 40-point swings happen all the time, don't they? It's the difference of picking one captain option or benching one cash cow over another. Like you can make up 40 points over a 20-week period. No, and MJ, how many times have we seen at the end of the year keeping the odd trade here and there? You can actually yeah. pick up two, three hundred points late, then utilizing it to try and catch up 30, 40 points in the first, you know, 10 rounds. It's true. Well, injuries are going to happen. People are going to get dropped. Things are going to evolve as the year happens. So I agree. I think it's an interesting If someone was to go an R2 that wasn't a cow or a premium, who are the candidates for us? Is it McAvoy and nothing, even though he's going to ruck share with Segler? Is he the only guy across formats that we could legitimately consider as an option? Or is, or is there someone in there that goes, I don't like Flynn or a Meek at R2. I don't want to spend the cash on a Grundy type or an O'Brien type. Who are, Who is that stepping stone territory player that we consider? Kane, have you got someone for us? To be honest, MJ, I haven't really spent much time in that pond just because I just don't see someone really doing it. Yeah. I just don't. I just have looked elsewhere. Again, Proust was the guy the in terms of the role, the new club, you know, yada, yada, yada. For me, it's just not an area that I think is going to be extremely fruitful. So I've just, yeah. to be honest, I've had a look through and really I just moved on awfully quickly. And to be honest, if it wasn't for these guys coming through, I probably would have gone down, you know, the, Gorn and Grundy path, but as Riz mentioned, when you're laying it all out there, especially when you're moving on one of those guys who are top, top dollar, and you can get another premium in another line plus some cash, mm. and if that cash can take you from a rookie to, let's fuck a name, a Jordan Clark, yeah. that's where, as Riz said, that combination is really important to think through. So yeah. it's interesting, and I think this information we get about, you know, when these rucks are going to return for these, you know, the Giants, 
yeah. the dockers and the saints is really, really important in making the best decision we can. Yeah, it's a really good perspective. So so right now, again, we don't like to talk about our own teams all that often because for us, it's all about trying to help you as you listen rather than talk about us. Um, Rids, for you, if you're happy to share across formats, who is it R2? Uh, right now, I've got a combination of McAvoy and Hunter slash Meek. Nice. I like that. Kane. Super coach. Oh, I'm yeah, really coach. keen on McInerney. Yeah, nice. Yeah, he's a good little wild card. I like him. Mine is some combination of the three aforementioned players <sighs> as who has that crown spot. No, I've got I've got Gorn at one. But okay, I mean, Gorn at one. At R2, depending on the, the moment, it's okay. one of Hunter, Meek, and Flynn. Yes. Currently, it's Meek. Yep. With Flynn on the bench. Nice. Um, maybe I'll maybe MJ that little bit of cash with Hunter being basement, basement, basement will be a tipping point. But again, as I mentioned, it's more about the job security. I feel like those other two will get an extended run to be a genuine cash cow. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think if people have a look at it, it is amazing what it can open up in other parts of the ground, especially if you already had a Lloyd or a Neil and maybe the premier bringing in is, you know, around the 500, 550 K mark. Yeah. There's a few things you can do that are probably making you sleep a little bit better at night. Yeah. There's some pretty special options you can roll through there. So I like it. All right. Let's get to some of our Patreon questions to wrap up this episode. Some incredible supporters of the coaches panel. They uh, get exclusive access to the panel. They get some hidden access of podcasts, of articles, of a bunch of different stuff. And again, uh, by the weekend, they're getting our annual cash cow guide where the panel have assembled. They have given you in-depth analysis on every single cash cow. What are their likelihood of playing? What's their scoring potential? It is there for people that become coaches panel, Patreon supporters. Uh, all you got to do is go to coachespanel.tv, get in there, jump in at that cash cow tier or higher, and you will get that this weekend. None of that's going to get public. Oh, by the way, there's a podcast that goes with it too. So you might want to check that bad boy out. All right, let's get to some of these Patreon questions. Uh, I'll throw it over to you uh, from Peter Moore. Kane, this one's for you. He says, please tell me why, how I should stop myself loading up in Supercoach and AFL Fantasy with half-back flankers. Should he be talking himself out of that move? No, if you like him. Again, if you, if you like those type of guys, they're already a fruitful role. In general, like Jake Lloyd's just come off one of the greatest defender seasons we've ever seen. Um, I think there's reasons before the March game that you could have liked what Jaden Short was doing. Yeah. Okay. If anyone, I don't know if anyone watched the grand final that was played it in was 2020, but it was pretty good. Um, the kid can seriously play. And I think we've been saying that for a long period of time. And um, with Basha Hawley out of that side, and honestly, just the maturation of a guy like Short, I think he was a yeah. guy that people should have been thinking about before the weekend. Clearly his name's up in lights now. So no, I don't necessarily think so. Um, But also I wouldn't be ruling out some backs or forwards that still have midfield roles. I know at the moment, it seems like you want your backs to be getting those easy kick marks. Mm. But I promise you, as we get to the part of the season where the weather's not as good, it's amazing how some of those mark kick games can evaporate pretty quick. So, you know, 
maybe a guy like Callum Mills or Liam Duggan who's going to get a bit more of that midfield clock, I don't think that's a bad thing either. Yep. I don't mind that. I think that's a good thought. All right, Rids, for you, an AFL fantasy question from Brendan. He said, as we most likely are loading up on some more medium price defenders down back due to the crap rookies um, that we've got, here are some of the options he wants to throw out, Rids. And, and rather than ranking them in orders of one to eight, give me a yay or a nay about whether he should consider them as options or not. Andy McPherson from the Adelaide Crows. Yes. Jimmy Webster from the Saints. I'll say no, but I think I'm a yes, quietly. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, I'm only saying no because there's a lot of guys around this mark where it's like, I thought the cupboard was bare a while ago, but yeah. now I'm starting to go, oh, actually, it may not be as bare as what I thought. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, Hayden Young. Yes, definitely, but manage your expectations. He's not going to be the Jaden Short from the weekend just gone. No, fair enough. And let's just flag Luke Ryan was not playing in that game. Yes. I know he got a lot of kickouts. He did. But he's no. a good player, like Rid said, but let's just temper some of the 90-plus expectations. Because yeah, if anyone is expecting him to go anything over 60-65, I would say you've gone too far. Yeah, that's a good shout. All right, a couple more to go. Arat- no, no, we'll keep oh, going. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arazio Fantasia. He, this guy is the most interesting one in the whole discussion. Yeah. I think, I think I see a world where Port Adelaide wins a lot of football games this year and not just win games. They could be absolute smashes. Yeah. I actually think Fantasia, from what I've seen, is fit. That's yes. all I need to know with Fantasia. We know that he's talented. We know he's skillful. We know he can score. I don't see a world where I do not start Fantasia across my formats. Ooh-wee. There's a nice little drop for you there across all formats. And by the way, we talked earlier in the episode about how that great round one matchup for Tom Stewart how it's against the Adelaide Crows. Who do the Port Adelaide um, power come up against? North Melbourne. That's not a bad little matchup for a forward. Uh, Let me tell you, but, you can't underestimate a player being happy either. Yeah. How many how many years has he been totally. trying to get out? Let's be honest. And totally. again, he's got a season of 79 DT and 83 super coach. I know durability has not been a tick for him, but hey, if he gives you seven, eight weeks, as Reed said, he's never been in as good a team as he's in currently. True. Especially one that loves scoring. He's got DPP. Um, I think we might get a few reminders that, yeah, this guy's a pretty special player. Play. The kid he can, can play. seriously play. So I yeah, agree with Rids. I think it's a good shout on that one. That is for sure. A couple more to go. Jordan Clark. Rids. Well, this one's a no-brainer. Just if Chris Scott remembers his name. <laughs> <laughs> like really, like he's at the moment he knows who Jordan Clark is, but mm. after round one, do we have any guarantees that he'll remember who Jordan Clark is? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's a bit like Fogarty, wasn't it, Ritz? You know, we, Jordan Clark's first year, you're going, wow, like this guy is one of the steals of the draft, and as you yeah. said, he forgets his name. Fogarty, Fogarty yeah, the it's same, like I think. Constable. There's so many of these guys, <laughs> yeah. names like 
There's yeah. times, okay, we, we did that um, People League podcast with Jimmy a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And we were talking about a guy called Brandon Parfitt. It's That's like right. sometimes Scott just forgets, oh, well, Parfitt does it. He's not fit enough to play in the mids. We won't put him in the mids today. That <laughs> guy is a gun mid. Let him yeah. play mid. And then they go out and they get hats like Sean Higgins and Isaac Smith, who are 85 years old and on pensions. And they get, well, they've got quality kids. Cooper Stevens, we haven't even seen this kid play football yet. DeConning. Yeah, DeConning can play. Yeah. I mean, there's a list like no other under there. Let the kids play. Yeah. There's some interesting guys to be able to look That's at. Stephen Wells guy goes okay at picking players, doesn't he? Wells, he goes oh, he okay. Does. He might need to knock on Chris Scott's door just to remind him that he goes okay every now and then. It's a back kid. I've given you some players. Feel free to use them. All right, last two before uh, Dean's got a thought for you, Again, uh, Oleg Markov. 100% yes. He went there. They headhunted this guy to play yeah. a position of half-back. He's playing that position and he he's is. actually doing awesome football. He's playing awesome football doing that position. Let the kid 100% back him in. Lock him Expect, in. Expectations, I will say, just don't yeah. expect much more than a 75. 70. Yeah. yeah, just say 70. Just go yep. 70. Like, forget but, the fives. Tell <laughs> people if they put a five on that crap, lower it. Forget the five. It's only in tens. Forget 70, the five. 60, 80, 90, and you'll enjoy your football a lot more because you're missing out on five points. What are we doing as a community? You know, some of these predictions <laughs> I've seen are like 77. Like, where the hell did 77 come in? Can't you just say 75? I can deal in, I can work in five. Okay. It's, I know okay. you can too. I, 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 I need to rock. I need to roll in well, 20s, lads. Just those so two you know. points are going to be so important, MJ, that I, oh, I'm going to win a cop if I get two points extra out there. That's exactly. like, are, we, are we absolutely joking or what? I feel like people that are just new to the coaches panel, you're going to get a true taste uh, tonight. No, it's awesome. Uh, and last one, uh, Ritz, Isaac Cumming. No, forget him. <laughs> How many times do you want to be burnt by the same guy, guys? Like, Three Five, years in a ten. row, this guy has been discussed as the world's greatest defender. Have you seen anything to actually like? He has stints, he has flashes. Yes. I have no confidence whether that's a Lockie Ash, whether it's a Cumming, whether it's an Iden, whether it's whoever. Like they're finding guys off the street at the moment to play that role because yeah. they've got no confidence around these guys. I actually think this guy is a really good intercept marker. He's athletic. He knows yeah, how to position. But the reality is, how can you pick him with any confidence that he plays more than two games and his averages more than 50? Yeah. All right. Nice question. All right. Uh, Tim has a question for you, Kane. Will the Bombers slash could the Bombers play both Waterman and Jones and Wright in the same forward line? Yeah, they, they probably could, MJ, because I think they're just trying to learn what they've got, to yeah. be honest. I wouldn't be – again, if we want to go in, in tens, huh. maybe you'd be lucky you'd take a 40. So, yeah, again, I don't think there's too much fantasy value there. Maybe if you're lucky, Jones can fill that – again, this I feel disgusting comparing this name to another name, but the Max King role of just being on your bench and hoping that there's there. a two- to three-week stint where maybe he goes 70-70. Yeah, and he spikes enough. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's going to be an overly, um, overly amount of fantasy relevance there, especially when we've just gone through how many 
good forwards we've got. You know, you've got guys like Warner, potentially Campbell, these type of guys that in the right role can score and have got mm. massive junior numbers. So um, I think we're going to have enough options that we don't really have to worry about those, that Bombers trio. Yeah. Having said that, though, I reckon Harrison Jones, from what I saw on the weekend, is a real good F8 option. Just to sit on your bench. He's yeah. probably got as good burner. job security as anything. He's a slow burner. Yeah. You're not going to crush him in. Just let him play. Like, you used a perfect yeah. example with King before. Yeah. Just, just put him on the bench. You may need those 40 or 50 points one week. Yeah. That's, that's right, Ritz. Yeah. I think it's a really, really nice uh, pickup. Um, Mr. Fat C, we've already answered your question uh, about that. Yep, that's the username he's decided to go for. Thank you, Mr. for that one. Um, uh, Matt has a question. We'll throw it to you, uh, Kane. If Adams, Trelaw, and Tom Mitchell are named round one, would you consider starting any of them? Just to clarify, that was Taylor Adams. Taylor Adams. Adam Trelaw. Adam Trelaw. And Tom Mitchell. Sorry, yes, I didn't know correct. if we were going with Adams Trelaw if he'd had a little name change. Adams Trelaw uh, is, is a plural. Be referring to Marcus Adams. Let's just make sure it's clear. True. That's okay? no, true. Get stuck. I feel like it's clear now. Yeah, um, good on you, lads. For me, just going line by line, Taylor Adams, top dollar off an injury with an injury history. Mm-hmm. No for me. Yep. Um, Adam Trelaw, again, I feel like there's no rush to get this guy back into the Bulldogs team, especially mm-hmm. with what we saw the engine room do on the weekend. Yeah. I think, I, again, you might not have to make a decision, I guess is the point I'm getting at. I think they might give him the extra week. But if he was named, it would be a no from me. Sure. Tom Mitchell's the one that tempts me. Um, okay. One, we know he's an absolute fantasy monster. He still did a pretty good job off a horrific injury last year. Again, you look at his splits and it felt like he got better as the season went on. The the numbers suggest he was pretty similar first half, second half. Yeah. But again, whenever you've got numbers to your name that are, you know, in the high 120s, you're always going to get looked upon um, quite fondly. But it just feels like, you probably wouldn't go any of those guys. We've just spoken about how good the Bulldogs boys look. Bond, McRae, um, Lockie Neal just gets it done every year. I think there's enough that you can feel comfortable. And again, a guy that I haven't seen in anyone's team really, despite doing absolutely nothing wrong, is you know a guy like Jack Steele. So yeah. I think there's a lot of guys that have played the preseason, are fit and raring to go, um, where for me, I'd rather have a look at them, see how they go over the first five, six weeks. When it gets to upgrade season, um, make a call then. I don't think anyone's going to fly out of the gates and and really um, take the game away from you. Yep. Right. MJ, just yes. on this one, Tom Mitchell, okay, he's had a shoulder reco. He's recovering from that, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, he's had shoulder surgery, yes. Oh, shoulder surgery. So, same thing. Um, he's got the early buy round, everyone. He's round 12 by round. Now, he might be coming good by the time he has a by round rest. Mm. That's the time to target this guy, I think. Okay. Fair enough. 
I thought you were going to finish that sentence, but that's all right. That's all you left me with. I don't mind that at all, man. Uh, anything I else? Did finish yeah. the sentence. Did you just want me to say full stop? Yes, please. That's correct. If you could be a bit full more stop. like Siri, thank get stuffed. Uh, that's fair enough too. Uh, lads, anything else you want to cover off on this episode before we bid you adieu? Yeah, I've got one more. All right, go um, okay, so I just want to talk about two guys that caught my eye over the weekend. All right. They're a little bit um, on the nose in fantasy world because they've burnt plenty in the past. Dom Tyson was moving as well as I've ever seen. And he's at a price point across the formats that's absolutely worth considering. Mm. I know he may have burnt you in the past, whatever else. I don't really care. The reality is he's actually value for money. Yeah, the other is. guy I want to just highlight as well is Will Brody. Yeah. Um, We've been hearing about this guy. People were like, I mean, I'm pretty sure me and Jimmy were talking about him as a Patrick Cripps type from his junior days. Yeah. So he's actually got a role at Gold Coast right now where he's spending a bit of time in the midfield. He's spending a bit of time. I think he turned up on the weekend. He did. If you're looking for a $500,000 option pretty much in the AFL and the, what's it called, the dream team, Mm -hmm. He's definitely on your ballpark. Have a think about it. And the last guy I was going to mention was Jeremy Cameron. He actually looked very, very good. He looked good, didn't he? As the game went on, that second quarter especially, like once he kind of found a rhythm with him and Hawk, like that's going to be a pretty special partnership, those two. And I wonder whether in AFL Fantasy, he's an absolute serious option round one against the Crows who don't have any defenders. Yeah, I think I think there's some... A nice little sneaky stuff that Rids is letting out of the bag for you there. Just take some mental notes, peeps. He's dropped a couple of nuggets of gold, as has Kane. Boys, uh, thank you for your work on this episode. Kane, as always, a pleasure, mate. No, no problem, MJ. Enjoyed it as always. And Kane has delivered some nice gold. Rids, as have you. Thank you, mate. That's all, mate. Have a great night. Full stop. Thank you for the full stop. Get stuffed. If you want to go and check out any of the other articles uh, that we have done throughout this preseason, there is a bunch of them still to come. There's a heap of panel advice that is still to come over the next week and a half. You can check it out at coachespanel.tv. If you've loved this podcast, go back and check the others. There is, I think there's like 60 odd episodes from the preseason so far. You can go and check out, you get them the same way you're listening to this right now via Spotify, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts. And of course, if you loved what you got from the coaches panel so far in the preseason, there is even more exclusive content just for you. You can join that Patreon supporter group at coachespanel.tv. All right. This time in a week, we're pretty much at the start of your 2021 season. We're nearly there, friends, but there's so much that's still yet to come. Yeah,